hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. Exco, give it to you. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, <laughs> that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Exco, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick as always. Hello, Drew. Today we're going to talk about Bengals Steelers, talk about Colts Falcons and Lions Vikings, some games with playoff, divisional award, futures, repercussions, uh, like somewhat compelling in their own right as well. Let's start with Bengals Steelers. Bengals two-point favorites over the Steelers in Pittsburgh. The total is 37. Looks like it's going to be Mason Rudolph, though Kenny Pickett did practice today, uh, albeit as the fourth quarterback. So I suspect that he's not going to go, but maybe back the week after. Uh, how much do you believe in Jake Browning as a road favorite without Jamar Chase? Boy, I am prepared to go to war with Browning, I think, again. Um, but it has more to do with just not believing that the Steelers have any identity right now on offense or defense that they can hang their hat on. Um, Mason Rudolph is a guy that I have a fairly low rating on. And when you kind of dissect what happened in that Colts game, the stuff with George Pickens, the comments he's made today in response to the criticism he got for his quality of play, um, all of it swirls that things are a little bit out of control in Pittsburgh right now. Mike Tomlin obviously struggling to get to win number nine to keep his illustrious never having a losing season record alive. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, interesting market on this one because it did tickle three before coming back down. And you can look at that in a couple of ways. One being like, well, somebody really likes Kenny P or likes uh, Mason Rudolph better than Mason Trubisky. And okay. Uh, the fact that uh, the fact that Trubisky got benched, we talked about this, was more of a sign of, yeah, you didn't downgrade enough, as opposed to there being any kind of upside potential here for Mason Rudolph. Um, this offense is broken. The offensive line is performing poorly. Um, the rushing attack right now is toothless outside of a couple of bright spots from Warren. Um, I don't know how Pittsburgh stays in this game, gets in this game really, um, other than being at home. Uh, I would kind of note that uh, Cincinnati's defense is probably the one weak spot in this contest, but that doesn't really agree with what the market is doing, moving this down to 36 and a half for a total, Jay. Uh, so basically somebody is saying, yeah, no, the Pittsburgh defense is going to reel in Jake Browning just like they did the first time they played. And while in the first contest, it's notable T. Higgins wasn't available and now Jamar Chase won't be available. Um, a lot of what Browning has done hasn't really come at the benefit of Jamar Chase making outstanding plays. I mean, granted, T. Higgins' touchdown uh, against the uh, Vikings was probably 
ah, catch touchdown of the season. It was in the conversation. That was absolutely unbelievable. The getting his toes in bounds and then re- whipping the ball uh, across the to break the plane of the goal line was was quite cool. Um, and if Higgins is available, if Boyd is available, and uh, obviously uh, you know Chase Brown, who now all of a sudden matters a ton for this Bengals team, uh, is available, then I can't see why Browning can can't continue his success um, of the kind of you know replacement quarterbacks that we've seen this year. He is the one that is the most consistently, you know, kind of bringing it week in, week out. And so uh, expecting all of a sudden that that's going to dry up because you're up against the Steelers team uh, that is kind of falling apart in front of our eyes uh, is perfectly fine by me. I'm not expecting Cam Hayward to go. I don't think you're getting anywhere close to, uh, you know, all pro production out of Minka Fitzpatrick anymore. Um, They are all of a sudden now are clear and obvious ways to attack the secondary. I mean, basically everything about uh, what you're seeing from the Pittsburgh looks pretty, uh, pretty smoke and mirrors to me. So uh, I can see the Bengals continuing to have success. Now, market isn't really going to give you much better of a price, I don't think, than one and a half. This isn't getting to pick. Uh, Pickett's not going to come and save the day and really shake up this number at this point. So we're kind of in a dead zone between two and a half and one and a half. And um, at this point, I would probably sell out to two and a half. I was going to play the Bengals, but um, I don't know. I don't think I'm that off base in kind of having Browning as clearly an, uh, you know, a, a league average rating on terms of quarterback play right now. And I think there's upside to that with uh, a healthy offensive line in front of him and Chase Brown contributing. So, um, yeah, small buy for me on uh, Bengals. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the interesting thing about Browning against uh, the Vikings was that his average depth of target was nine yards, which you know he was sitting under 5.6, that type of range uh, coming into that game. So he showed that you know he could add another dimension after the Vikings and Flores took away the screen game that had just eviscerated the Colts uh, and he wasn't. Uh, just purely yak dependent, uh, which is good. At the same time, I wonder how much, not so much that Chase was his main target or anything, it's just the gravity that Chase has on the field. And Gus Bradley talked about this with the Colts where he talked about how they basically, the Colts, they sold out and played deep to just stop Jamar Chase because they didn't want their, you know, rookie seventh round and undrafted corners on an island against Jamar Chase. And so uh, that... That led to all the screens and Chase Brown going 54 yards for a touchdown on a screen pass. So I think that will hurt a little concerned about how bad Jake Browning looked against the Steelers the first time around, which was just so out of touch with everything he's done since. Now, to be fair, that was his first proper start and it would make sense that he would get better after that. And what he was able to do against the Vikings, who have by any measure of a very good defense, uh, that is compelling. I do think that Cincinnati's defense is just, there's just nothing there, particularly as a run defense. DJ Reader going down is brutal. Uh, They couldn't do anything against Ty Chandler all game. So I think the Steelers, they should be able to run the ball, but I would also ultimately just lean Bengals because I think that Mason Browning is the type of quarterback who just submarines everything. And from a live (laughs) betting angle, this ties into what we spoke about the other day, where if you see the first two, I mean, the market is projecting a certain level of, you know, he's, no one thinks that Mason Rudolph's going to be good, but a certain level of functional competence. And there's a chance we see after the first two series that, uh, you know, he's the second coming of Eastern Stick, which is, I, th- I think, very much in play. 
then I think Cincinnati alt lines. It's the type of thing too where if game script gets out of hand for the Steelers and they're having to throw and they can't take advantage of Cincinnati's run defense, that I think this game would be more prone to a 10-point lead turning into a 21-point lead than your average game with this line and total. So I think that would be the way that I would attack it, live betting. Uh, I would also probably bet the under on Mason Rudolph in case he's so poor that, that he has to have a fair bit of equity of just getting benched. Uh, but I don't think there's anything here for the Steelers. And also the other issue is just their safeties. They don't have any safeties left. Yeah. KZ is suspended for the season. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick has already been ruled out. Mm. They have other safeties who are not practicing. Uh, Isaac Sayomalu has been banged up. He didn't practice today. So it seems to be all trending in the wrong direction. Um, mm. Last one for you on the Bengals. I make it 12 to 1 that they run the slate from here. And a lot of that is needing to beat Kansas City and Arrowhead next week. You think if they did that without Joe Burrow, without Jamar Chase, they get to 11 and 6, miraculously make the playoffs that Zach Taylor would get any buzz for, for coach of the year after he, you know, I think, somewhat outcoached Kevin O'Connell uh, on Saturday? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. He's in tier three right now. Yeah. We have a clear uh, sort of three tiers, I think, and each tier has three coaches. Um, there's tier one, which is your, you know, your your feel good stories, uh, your uh, uh, exceed expectations, your snap the franchises, uh, you know, miserable history, which is the Dan Campbell, Shane Steichen, Demeco Ryan's tier. Um, and, you know, those three teams, those three coaches, all very, very, very live to stub their toes. From here to the finish line and if they all lose this week then we enter chaos mode where there are probably six guys uh who are available to you know potentially come in and steal i would put uh mcdaniel um uh shanahan and stefanski in tier two just because i think that what they have done is been recognized enough by some people who have you know who have influence that uh that they would get put into the conversation and then on tier three uh, i would put uh, mcveigh um zach taylor and uh you know pick one more candidate who you think you know could just have enough impressive wins down the stretch to be considered like john harbaugh i guess um now zach taylor moves up a huge notch if they finish 11 and 6 and you know they're the top wild card seed in uh, the afc surely uh, but uh he's not going to be able to flip the ravens for the division and uh, i don't think he's realistically going to be able to uh take enough votes away from you know the rest of the guys in that mix but i think the kind of broader point is there's like eight or nine guys who are still alive for coach of the year this is a very crowded market and to say that at week 15 is pretty wild Yep, I agree. I think Taylor ultimately, and it's similar, I think he's got kind of a stronger version of it. Same, same thing with McVeigh is that when you just, when you max out at 10 and 7, like McVeigh maxes out at 10 and 7, I just don't see any world where that would actually win the award, particularly because, you know, their opponents the rest of the way are pretty soft and the Niners probably won't have anything to play for in week 18. So they'd be playing backups at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, and then with Taylor, just feels like Taylor going 11 and six when, you know, he had, he, he had Joe Burrow for half the season uh, and going six and over Jake Browning. I'm not sure how that beats the AFC South guys, how that beats the fanski and let alone, you know, the, the coaches who are going to have more wins like Shanahan, uh, McDaniel uh, and, and Dan Campbell. But yeah, I largely agree with your tiering. I'd have Shanahan a little bit 
a little bit higher uh, and probably Dan Campbell um, a little bit lower. I think Campbell needs to sweep these next two games uh, to have any chance. And if he does that, he's a very good chance, but I don't think he's a lock even then. Uh, I think this this award uh, will be it. the battleground for this award, I think, is uh, week 18 in Indianapolis uh, when Steichen and Ryans play each other and someone has to win that game and it likely bolts them into the playoffs. <laughs> but if it doesn't, if they're done by then, then that creates chaos. But... Before we talk about those Colts, Drew, unwrap an early Christmas present mm. this Saturday with an NFL doubleheader. It all begins at 3 p.m. Eastern as we take you up to kickoff in Pittsburgh between those Bengals and Steelers on NBC and Peacock. Then 7.30, it's a Peacock exclusive matchup as Josh Allen and the Bills look uh, to the postseason mix when they travel to Los Angeles to face Eastern Stick, the Stick Man and the Chargers uh, <laughs> and what looms uh, as a blockbuster game. Uh, that the Bills will win by 80 points. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. Extra, give it to you. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, <laughs> that's our legacy. Ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Give up. Order now at Acura.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. All right, Colts, Falcons. Slide has flipped from Colts minus two, minus two and a half to Falcons minus one on the news mm-hmm. that Taylor Heineke will be going instead yeah. of Des Ritter. Now, this is about as inconsequential as a three-point swing <laughs> that you can have going from two to one, passing through zero. But do you think that Taylor Heineke warrants this kind of swing anyway? No, I think this feels like early Christmas, Jay. Um I wouldn't have gone to war, I don't think, with the Colts at two and a half. But if you're going to give me plus money, I'm in. Um, the Colts are a better coach. Well, more well-coached team. Arthur Smith is floundering right now. He does not have the answers. Um, I think the Colts are getting, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely getting a little bit of um, uh, paying the price, I guess, for some portions of the season where their defense was grading very poorly because of injuries. And, uh, you know, they're closer to full strength right now. Uh, and in particular, that pass defense, which we've talked about, I know, a number, number of weeks, um, they're going to come up with some takeaways here. I would expect that Taylor Heineke is going to be a little bit uh, pressing here in terms of trying to uh, do enough to warrant the consideration he got to becoming the you know the starting quarterback. And uh, there's no material upgrade in my numbers from Ritter to uh, Heineke. And I think um, you know the fact that this is 
uh, defense on the other side of the ball for Atlanta that can be had, particularly with a, a full-strength rushing attack with Jonathan Taylor returning. Um, this looks like a problem. There's no real likelihood that they're going to generate a pass rush on Gardner Minshew. Uh, Gardner Minshew should have all time to operate here and uh, expecting to have Pittman back. Uh, he's got, you know, he's, he's doing some nice ish things he's being a lot less of a walking turnover lately um now he could turn into a pumpkin on the road but i feel like in a uh um you know in a domed environment uh against a defense that's missing key players at every level i'm not exactly worried about that so um the uh the age and the injuries situation for the uh falcons defense i think could ultimately be their undoing here and uh the taylor heineke support in the market is pretty weird to me I uh, don't agree with it, and I don't think that realistically it's going to help uh, Arthur Smith save this thing. Uh, Falcons can finish six and eleven, and uh, I think that would uh, probably be uh, the you know that would be the sign for a regime change there. And uh, just considering how little he's gotten out of so much high end talent in the offensive side of the ball, I think it would be warranted. Yep, I agree. And so since week seven, Gardner Minshew uh, by EPA per play, number 14 quarterback in the NFL, sandwiched right between Geno Smith and Jared Goff, uh, and better than Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. Now, admittedly, that is against a fairly soft schedule, but the fact that he even has games in him like he did against the Steelers, I think bodes well against an Atlanta pass defense that is not particularly good. They're just injured on both sides of the ball at the moment. The Falcons, they just don't have any strengths. They're not good at anything, uh, which is a problem. And the Colts, with their defense, like this defense is now up to 13th in EPA per play, 15th by PFF grade. Again, soft schedule that they've played particularly recently. But still, I mean, this team, the defensive line is just it's just really good. Like Ebercam, Quiddy Paid, DeForest Buckner, Grove Stewart, that's a really good front four. Uh, mm-hmm. Grove Stewart being back means they can defend the run, which they weren't able to when he was out for six weeks with suspension. My man Juju Brent's coming back helps because now he is, I mean, he's not great, but at least he's better than what they were putting out there. And it allows yeah. Kenny Moore to play more in the slot if they need. Uh, so I think the defense is just solid. It's not great, but it's solid. And then they're getting healthier on offense with Taylor back. Braden Smith is a chance to return, which I think will be key because Blake Freeland isn't very good filling in at right tackle. And Michael Pittman, who's in the concussion protocol, uh, everything so far has been relatively positive about him. And to your point, Colts are just a better coach team. They're going to eke out, I think, the little slithers of win probability with Steichen's aggressiveness. Disappointed that Steichen kicked the field goal on, I think, fourth and one to put them up uh, up 14. instead of uh, going for the dagger. But I guess when Mitch Trubisky is on the other side, you can afford to be a little bit more conservative with your decision-making. But uh, but I agree. I like uh, I like the Colts. If they win this game, then I think Steichen is a win away from Coach of the Year by beating Houston in Week 18. I'm not sure the, the uh, interceding game against the Raiders really matters. Um, and so I think that if you like the Colts in this game, if you like the Colts generally against this soft schedule to close, I think you're better off just betting Steichen, who's still plus 350 to win coach of the year. I make the Colts plus 285 fair to win the division. Steichen wins the division. I think that's pretty close to auto win for coach of the year. And there are still paths for him to win without it. So uh, that would be my best betting coach of the year at the moment. Yeah, I dig all that. Um, I like Colts this week, which means I like Colts. I I mean, really just like I like field against the Jags in the AFC South. (laughs) 
And yeah. I think that week 18 game is going to matter. Um, I don't love Gardner Minshew up against CJ Stroud if that's the way that breaks, but CJ Stroud is probably going to be without his full complement of passing weapons in the passing game, which could be the difference because Texans certainly aren't doing anything on the ground in that game. One last kind of key point to make about the Colts, and I agree with Steichen is extremely live. He would be my number two pick right now if we were voting for coach of the year after Shane. Yeah, after Shanahan. But again, like that's my preference. It's not what I think the voters are going to do at all. They don't yeah. ever look at who is the best. They always look at it through the lens of, uh, you know, who is the ba- who is the biggest surprise. Um, and fourteen and three is not going to get Shanahan, I don't think, unless everybody else trips. Um, the but the thing I wanted to point out about the defense number one, Gus Bradley is actually quietly quietly had a, a pretty decent season coordinating. Like he used to be a guy you could really quite you know pick on pretty obviously for some of his scheme decisions and. That's just not really the case anymore. He's had a couple of gaffes in terms of game plan, but nothing that I was really disappointed in him. Uh, and honestly, the current state of the NFL, like your week in your middle linebacker in core, like matters a lot all of a sudden. Like if you those guys get hurt, your defense just completely craters, apparently. <laughs> like this has now happened to like four or five different units this season. And if your guys step up and, and are outstanding, then all of a sudden, bang, you're like a top half defense. And that's what's happening right now with Zaire Franklin. This guy's playing out of his mind well he is he's just seeing the field well he's playing with speed he's healthy as can be uh so as long as area franklin's out there i think you're going to be able to counter any type of rush attack ej speed's playing well also and you're right that front four is now healthy so you should be able to get a pass rush here i, I don't know what's stopping the uh the colts from getting a win and uh i'm pretty uh, i feel i'm feeling pretty lucky that uh, somebody gave us the opportunity to bet them at plus money on the money line yeah, I don't understand it. Uh, Nate Tice on the Athletic Football Podcast, he made a really good point about the Colts uh, and kind of contrasted it to the Falcons where the Falcons, they just don't have any kind of concepts that they're trying to get to on offense. They don't have a plan. Meanwhile, the Colts, they just spam RPOs. Like they have like five plays, but they just, they're really good at it and they're really comfortable at it and they know exactly what they want to do. Uh, and they do it, and bad defenses, which they largely play, uh, can't stop it. <laughs> and so I think that um, certainly the advantage leans Colts. I have a lot of uh, leftover Colts merch, Drew, from the failed uh, 2021 Jonathan Taylor Offensive Player of the Year. Mm. So I was very happy to, uh, to crack out my numerous. Uh, I have Colts pajamas. Uh, I have two Colts hats. Uh, I have a JT jersey. So it's been very good um, dusting them off uh, and watching Shane Steichen, who is... It's just it's it's strange because on paper it's such an uninspiring team, but just the way they play is so fun. Just with what yeah. they do on offense, with the creative play design, with like the fourth down play against the Bucks um, to Mo Ali Cox and Minshew's so chaotic. He's not you know he's not Mason Rudolph by any stretch. He's a um, his he is not great because of turnovers, not because he yeah. can't you know make the throws and make the plays. So. Uh, I think if I had a ballot, I would probably be Steichen one, Shanahan two, and mm. Stefanski three, maybe with all the injuries they've dealt with. I think uh, that. Yeah, I think yeah. that that would be my top three. I don't think voters will necessarily see that. I think yeah. they'll give a bit more waiting to Ryan's and Campbell, yeah. who I wouldn't have in my top five. I don't think, um, but I do think Steichen will. I think he will. He will resonate uh, in particular. Art All Smith, right. by the way, not in the running for coach. No, there. not so the, uh, <laughs> preseason favorite, or at least uh, one of the two. Yeah, he was a darling. Yeah, preseason darling. Yeah. yeah um, somebody shared a data. Somebody shared a data set with me today that absolutely melted my mind. Uh, 
he when you were asked the question well why, why is tyler algier getting so much of the uh running share here like what's happening right it's actually a binary when they're in when they're facing stacked boxes it's algier and yeah. when they're fa facing light boxes it's Bijan. so you can literally stack the box on these guys force them to play their worst player and you know, you succeed if you have, uh, you know, a defense that has the ability to kind of get it done with the uh, safeties and linebackers. So, like, I, it's weird that, like, now the book is out on that, and I don't know what he does to break tendencies. But uh, the the splits were like, oh, my God. Like, this is, like, as obvious as can be. I would assume that every NFL defensive coordinator he faces knows this, too. Yeah, no, uh, that that is bizarre. And the idea as well that, like, Taylor Heineke is the answer, I mean – Taylor Heineke's terrible. Um, he's not good at all. He had last year as uh, almost the full-time starter, he had a sub-50 PFF grade. Like he's he's one of the five worst quarterbacks in the NFL. So I guess maybe he's he's different to Ritter, but I don't think he's a market upgrade. It, it has to be slight. I, I certainly don't understand this move from, uh, from two and a half uh, flipping to one the other way. All right. Before we get to Lions-Vikings, find another way to celebrate the holiday season, Drew, by being part of Premier League festive fixtures beginning on Thursday, December 21st. We'll have 29 matches over 13 days on NBC, USA, and Peacock. So check out all the thrilling moments from creative set pieces to scorching shots and amazing saves. It is the gift that keeps on giving. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. Go, give it to you. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Uh, just across my timeline before we start recording, uh, a little uh, Turkish Super League um, action came across my feed where. Uh, Turkish Super League is like a legitimate league. Like Fenerbahce, Galatasaray, they play in this yeah. league. They have multiple Champions League spots. And so this game against Trabzonspor uh, and the opposing team, uh, they had a controversial goal go against them where there should have been a foul in the lead up. So the team president comes down to the field and he's like, all right, we're out of here. Just tells the players to leave the field, <laughs> off to the locker room, forfeits the game, players are on their knees begging to be able to play because they're in a relegation struggle. Team president, no. Not standing for this. Uh, I wonder if the same thought uh, occurred to Sean Payton in the NFC title game against the Rams um, after uh, after his receiver was was absolutely leveled. Probably not. Probably wouldn't have happened. Anyway, a uh, little Turkish soccer aside, but uh, let's get back to the state of Minnesota. 
Uh, the Lions are three-point favorites at the Vikings. The total is 47 flat. Uh, do you think the Lions fix their defense, in particular against the Broncos? I think we always knew that the offense would would get right, but do you think that they found something defensively against Denver, or did they just get a little lucky? It's got lucky. Yeah. That's not a really strong take as fast as I said that. I, I just – I am still – very very suspect about these guys and um you know the first half the first half success they had against uh, russell wilson and company felt more due to dysfunction in terms of the vision of what did denver wanted to do that game um and there's still huge huge problems at the second and middle middle level and second level here um they got pretty decent play out of from isaiah bugs um and they needed it because in the absence of alan mcneil this has been a very very you know uh, you know lackluster unit in terms of star power um and you know brian branch has had some highlights this year but he has been inconsistent as a rookie and you know you have a couple of cornerbacks that can be beaten pretty uh pretty cleanly uh who are going to be taking the field here for the lions that does not bode well for taking on addison and jefferson um jeff justin jefferson against the bengals looked pretty fine to me uh he certainly didn't have any limitations that i could tell in terms of route tree in terms of utilization and effectiveness and addison uh is as amazing as always like his yak and what he generated and his speed caught the Bengals by surprise a couple times in that game uh and uh nick mullins while like very much not my guy um he got the ball out of his hands a bunch of times when the Bengals were knocking on the door with heavy pressure. And one of those was an unfortunate pick that took points off the board for the Vikings that might have been the difference in the game. But otherwise, like the throwaways and some of the made plays that he had when you, you know, things were busted, they were over. It was a minus play for the Vikings, and he actually turned it into a positive. Like he's kind of a little fearless out there, which is not something I really ever. Uh, would have associated with Nick Mullins until seeing it against the Bengals with a bet against him. So it was uh, an interesting performance. Uh, and with a uh, you know offensive line that's getting healthier, I don't know how the Lions defense is defending this unit whatsoever. This looks like a problem. Um, the Vikings... What's the, I don't want to say it was lucky because you know no injury is lucky, but uh, they have kind of discovered an absolute commodity in Ty Chandler. Ty Chandler has all of the signs of a guy with a pulse, and he's got fresh legs this time of year, which tends to be a huge dis, you know difference maker. Um, that was another common theme for Week 15, by the way. Like guys who hadn't had a ton of usage on the ground were all of a sudden looked like the fastest players on earth, and. Uh, you know, made defenses look slow. And I think defenses are starting to feel fatigued right now. Uh, and fresh young legs have been, uh, you know, a huge factor. Now, Lions obviously have fresh young legs as well. Uh, and the matchup between the Lions offense and the uh, Vikings defense is probably what decides this one way or the other, more so than uh, Vikings. Because I think the Vikings are going to score. You got a pretty narrow distribution there where they're getting 27, 24 points probably. Uh, question is, can you keep the Lions from getting to 30? Um, and that is going to come down to generating pressure. And Brian Flores has done it in spectacularly interesting and fun in different ways all season long. And uh, so I'm inclined to think that he can find more ways to continue to do that. Um, plus three right now is not like the most appealing price point in the world. It's plus three juiced, actually. So you got to lay a little extra if you want the Vikings plus the three. They're plus 137 on the money line. Total sitting at 47. Um, if I'm if this stays as is and no more support comes for the for the Lions, I'm probably passing on the side and I'm looking at the over here. 
Um, and, uh, you know, presumably with Frank Rag now back and the Lions offensive line, you know, now at full strength, um, they're going to be able to generate something on the ground. They're going to be able to give um, Goff the time he needs to uh, operate, although it is kind of worth pointing out. And this is in the back of my head with every time Jared Goff goes up against a team that likes to play cover two, that's like the one misfit that really kind of keeps him from being especially successful the bears executed it absolutely perfectly uh two times they played golf and i would imagine the vikings have that in their up their sleeve as well um so leaning vikings haven't made a bet on the game uh and uh ultimately might just play vikings team total if we don't ever get a better price on either the side or the total yeah, I think that that's all fair. The splits for Detroit with Frank Ragnow are insane. They go they from are. being like the best offense in football when he's on the field to the, almost the worst when he's off and he's back. Uh, and I think that made a massive difference against the Broncos. Uh, Mullins is fascinating because statistically uh, he was fine against the Bengals. He was 0.18 EPA per play. That's around what Patrick Mahomes has delivered this year. Now, admittedly, against a very poor Bengals defense. Uh, he had a passer rating of effectively 100. His PFF grade wasn't as kind, but it was still 66. Like, that's fine if they, they would take that from him the rest of the season, I suspect. But having watched the game and watched every throw that he made, I thought he was, I don't want to say necessarily terrible, but certainly terrible overall because of the high leverage mistakes. But the thing with Mullins is that I think he is terrible in a way that is very conducive to the total going over because... To your point, he gets the ball out quickly. Like he tries to make all the throws. He like he whips it down. He makes nice throws. It's just the absolute brain fades that lead to interceptions uh, <laughs> and turnovers. So he's very like he's not the type of guy who's just going to go, you know, three and out with two incomplete passes. Like he's going to march you down the field fifty-five yards and then throw a pick six. So I mean, they were able to move the ball. I wonder how much of their success offensively was after DJ Reed went out and the Vikings were just able to run the ball at will. And then the Bengals had to overcompensate a little bit for that. And they don't have anyone who can really defend Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson anyway, but the Lions don't either. So I'm not sure <laughs> that matters as much. So the Lions do have uh, a more serviceable uh, run defense. They have a top five unit, although Alan McNeil out hurts that. So I agree with you on the over. I think this will be high scoring. Uh, I lean to Mullins being not very good at all, and I would be worried about um, only getting three points with Nick Mullins. I, don't you think Josh Jobs is just better than Nick Mullins? Am I <laughs> something there? Well, he's got an X factor on the ground that you know if he's getting chunk plays with his legs, like yeah, that uh, that could be you know the deciding factor here. But um, I I don't know. I I've been all over the place on Dobbs. Like some some games some. Some matchups, it's like, wow, this guy is absolutely belongs as one of the starters. And then other times, it's like, you know, it doesn't, it feels like the game's not going, you know, it's not slowing down for him. Um, the Nick Mullins, and I, I guess like the one like kind of final thought on this is that like ultimately, if this comes down to offensive line play and you have uh, a hostile environment for the Lions O line and the Vikings are a little bit better kind of communicating and able to really pick up any kind of pressure. Um, it's possible that Nick Mullins looks even better because Nick Mullins was under duress quite a lot in that yep. game against the uh, Bengals and the Bengals didn't get home a ton. Um, but they definitely, you know, they definitely forced him to make some quick decisions and, and, uh, you know, made him, uh, uh, you know, just a little bit uncomfortable in the pocket. If he is 
given like all of the time in the world to operate and Justin Jefferson and Addison and Hawkinson are running amok out there, then um, this might look like backyard ball for uh, Vikings offense. So, um, yeah, I think given the home field advantage, I would have to say that this is Vikings or pass for me. But uh, ultimately, again, I may just end up on the team total considering current price. Yep. No, I like it. All right. We are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those of you watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Please rate and subscribe if you're listening to us as a podcast. And the reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music, just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. I'm Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll see you soon. estimated 500 horsepower sounds like how about that that's a premium banging olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a biosonic sound experience and that that's our legacy you ready to be a part of it unlock the energy of the all-electric cdx type s order now at acura.com Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.